0: Real Bad is part of the Cage Club podcast network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host Nick Jenkins, and today I'm joined by just one person, Mr. Sam Schultz.
1: Hello, how, how are you,
0: you? I'm good. How are you? Good,
1: great. <laughs> we're off to a great
0: start. We are, and uh, we're, I lied. We're not talking about bad movies today. No, we're not. We are. Uh, we're. It's the Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is coming out a little bit later than Thanksgiving, obviously. Thanksgiving was last weekend, but I wanted to do another episode of Real Good where me and someone else just talk about something we enjoy because, mm-hmm. God damn it, I need a break.
1: I re-listened to the last real good. It was very peaceful.
0: It's, it's soothing listening. Yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Nobody's angry. Nobody's <laughs> mad at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's very,
0: yeah, peaceful. I like that. And I could do with some of that right now. So uh, the theme for this episode is thankful. Mm-hmm. So movies that you and I are thankful for. We both picked one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you picked a 1950s film. Yes. I think 1950.
1: I think it was 1950 on the
0: dot. Yeah. And I picked a 2005 film. Yeah. And these two films could not be more different, I, I don't I don't think.
1: I think that that's true. Which is good. That's <laughs> what happened in the first episode. Yep. The first real good <laughs> Road Warrior and Victor Victoria. Yep.
0: <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be talking about Harvey mm-hmm. with Jimmy Stewart. Yep. And we're going to be talking about Serenity with a bunch of people Uh, But mainly, the main draw is directed by Joss Whedon. Yeah. So written and directed by Joss Whedon. So uh, your pick was Harvey. It was. Um, This was a
1: hard prompt for
0: me. Right. So talk to me about that. So when I prompted that, you had a couple things in mind. Yeah,
1: I have a big list of movies (laughs) that I made. But... Uh, thankful, I guess, is not a way that I've ever thought of movies. I've just thought of movies that I like. And it's also hard for me to think of movies that I like. When people ask me, I just go like, I freeze up. Yeah. So I had to think for a long time about this one. And I just like, I think I settled on something that makes me feel good and something that I think about a lot.
0: It's, and it's that second part that is interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Well, when I turned it on to watch with my parents last night, they were like, "Why do you want to watch this movie? This <laughs> movie so old. I haven't thought about this movie in forever. My dad had never seen it. Well, he really? slept through it. So, I well, guess he's still never seen it."
0: But on a technical level,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. So, Harvey, do you want to know what it's about? Tell me. What is what is our We're not going to do a 60-second thing. You can just tell me what what's Harvey about? It's pretty easy. It's a pretty short one to explain. Elwood P Dowd is a wealthy, older gentleman. Not that old, but middle-aged guy. I think they'd say he's 42. Yeah, something like that. 41, he, 42. He lives with his sister and his sister's daughter in the big house that they've grown up in. It's like an ancestral home, basically. His do- his sister and her daughter are kind of like society muckety-mucks who are always trying to like get the daughter married or make powerful friends. But Elwood is a kind of a drunk, and his best friend is a giant invisible rabbit so he introduces people to this rabbit they think he's nuts and that kind of leaves his family in an awkward social position much to the chagrin of the rest of his family so they decide to have him committed and while trying to commit him there's a mix-up the sister ends up committed because everybody thinks she believes in the rabbit which she kind of does a she little She kind of does yeah yeah It's a little weird. Mm -hmm. She even says there are times
0: she thinks she can see him.
1: Yeah, she's seen him definitely. And by the end of the movie, she's just referring to him as if he is real, which he is. So, So, okay. So she's committed. He's let go. When they find out the mistake at the hospital, this doctor and nurse have to go out and find him. And they do. And they kind of sit with him in this bar. And kind of a big chunk of the movie is them trying to figure out why he talks to this giant imaginary rabbit, what he gets out of it. Basically, it turns out that there really is a giant imaginary rabbit. He's who, a puka. Mm-hmm, he's a puka with an, an invisible, shape-shifting, time-bending thing that you never see or hear or anything like that. Um, Unless it wants you to. Yeah. Yeah. But in the movie, you never really see or hear. No, you it, never. Did. Or it, it, see any of its magic powers or anything like that. Um, and he just met it one day and they became best friends. And that's pretty much the long and short of it. And the rabbit kind of helped him shape this world philosophy of just like being peaceful and going with the flow and being kind being kind yeah yeah um so then they bring elwood back to the hospital and they're going to give him an injection to make him a normal person basically (laughs) is what they say (laughs) yeah and uh the sister is all for it until he goes in there And she has some conversations with some people. She decides she does not want her brother to be normal. She wants him to be kind like he is and happy like he is. So she goes in. She pulls him out. And then as they're leaving, Harvey – or as they're leaving, Jimmy Stewart thinks Harvey has left him. For the doctor. Yes, for the the doctor. I'll explain all that in a minute. (laughs) Uh, So they're walking out of the hospital. But then this gate magically opens. And he's like, oh, Harvey, I'm glad that you're coming with me instead. And Mm. then they leave. Yeah, they walk into the sunrise.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: because yeah, it's like one night, basically, the whole thing takes place. Mm-hmm. Then there's a subplot where there's a doctor. The doc, the head doctor of the hospital comes to believe in Harvey too, and he wants to kind of use him for not evil purposes. Very selfish. But very selfish purposes. Yeah. He doesn't want to help anybody or like sit pleasantly in a bar. He wants to go like have a weird <laughs> affair with a woman in Akron, Ohio. He, he wants to go to Akron. This, this
0: was really hard for me to parse when I first saw it again. Yeah. Because it's so – it is exactly what it seems like it is. Uh-huh. He wants to sit under a tree. With a beautiful
1: woman. With a beautiful woman. And she doesn't get to say anything. Yeah. she. <laughs> Except she, she gets – so he gets to tell her all of her problems, yeah. all of his problems. And then she says, you poor thing. Yes. And pats him on the head. And that's that's what he wants. He yep. wants to do that for two weeks exactly. And James Stewart is like – are, are you sure <laughs> yeah. so then he's like so then he the doctor asks Harvey if he wants to stay with him and Harvey's like uh, I don't know I guess so and then Jimmy Stewart leaves under the impression that Harvey's gonna bring him to Akron but I don't know what Harvey does to him for some reason when he left I thought to myself Harvey killed that guy <laughs> but he didn't I think he no. might have just blinked him to Akron and then was like okay I'm getting out of here I now. mean even
0: if that he might have just sat there with him for a minute and went oh no oh, I'm, I can't God, do you're this you're so boring yeah, yeah. You have you have nothing interesting to do or say. Yeah, yeah. That's the story of Harvey. It was adapted from a play by Mary Chase, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been adapted several times in different ways, different languages. Uh, and uh, there was a play. The last version of the play they did, I think, that was big, starred Harry Anderson.
1: Oh, um, very weird. Yeah, he was in a. I think he maybe was in a movie version of it too. Oh, like really? A TV version or something? Could be. That sounds familiar, but I could be imagining it. That could very well be, and it could be a weird way of crediting it on IMDb. (laughs) Well, I think the woman who plays his sister was in the play while they made the movie, too. Well, and
0: Jimmy Stewart actually did a version of the play as well.
1: Okay. I don't know if it was at that time or
0: later, Mm -hmm. like he reprised his role or something, but... who? Let me look up who directed this. Uh, it's someone I've never heard of. Henry Coster.
1: Who directed? He did not direct Arsenic and Old Lace, right? I don't think so. This lady is in that movie, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I love Arsenic and Old Lace, by the way. a right. strange movie. I love strange movies, as we will find out. We've been watching lots of <laughs> Cary Grant movies, and now Rachel is in love with Cary Grant. Well, it's hard not to be. I guess so. <laughs> he's, such he's such a such lovable a, character. He's such a weird guy. Oh, he is. But... He's, like a, he's almost like a Will Ferrell type or something. I guess for the time. He's handsome, but he's so goofy. Yeah, which I guess is why he's so charming. Yeah, and I'd only seen him in North by Northwest and then seeing him in goofy stuff is just like, you are a weird putty-faced <laughs> man who can like flop around and fall really well. But, and it has
0: great reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get too far into this, I want to know how did you first see Harvey and when you, when you did see it? Mm-hmm. How did, well, I guess how did it come into your
1: life? But like, did you respond immediately to it? I saw it F- pretty recently, I saw it. I think my junior year of college. Oh, okay. And I think I saw a clip. I really can't remember very well, but I think I saw a clip of. Him. There's this big monologue he has outside of the bar when the doctor and the nurse find him. Yeah. And he talks about how he found Harvey. It's just like, I don't know. It's just a story about him finding Harvey. Basically, I'm sure there's yeah, something you... philosophical about it.
0: See, but... and that's something I want to talk about too, is because I think this movie's smarter than I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a
1: question too about that part that I don't quite understand. But I saw that clip and I think I just thought, oh, this looks like a good movie. And it was on Netflix and we watched it. There was no, I don't, I'd never seen it when I was a kid or anything like that. And I'd heard references to it. Like there's a reference to it in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I can kind it's, of, I didn't know that. Yeah. When Judge Doom is looking for Roger in the bar. Like oh, the, the shave stiky-zie? and the haircut bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah right yeah. before the shave and the haircut bit, he's like, I'm looking for a rabbit. And the guy at the bar says, well, I have, have you ever met my friend Harvey? And then he puts his arm around a big <laughs> n- nothing. A big nothing. Yeah. And then I think, I like, I remember my mom talking about it once maybe. It was just something that I very vaguely knew about. But I responded to it uh, extremely when I watched it. Really? How yeah. so? <laughs> there's, okay, so there's a scene at the very end of the movie where Elwood, just the whole movie, kind of floats through life and he's very friendly to people. He hands out his card and invites everyone to dinner that he meets. It doesn't matter who they are, like rich or poor. There's a guy who just got out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. Who he seems like he's been friends with for a long time. Uh, And then there's, so there's this part at the end where he explains that his mom told him that in life you have to be oh so smart or oh so pleasant. And he has tried both and he recommends pleasant. And that was like, oh, Made me feel like, look back on my life and think, why be like snarky? Why be like rude when you can be a nice person? So that is something that I t- like. It's like an internal test for me, I guess. Oh, Because okay. I'm not a religious person at all. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's very s- silly for me to say this, I feel like. but We're this... also going to talk about this for my movie as well. So, oh, cool. Yes. Okay. So this and Groundhog Day are like the basis. <laughs> oh, no, that, seems, that seems like a good pairing, actually. Yeah. They're yeah. very they're like reinventing yourself under mystical circumstances. They're yeah. like, this and Groundhog Day kind of form like my, what I would like to try to be in my life. Or like is this the nice thing that perfect Phil and Groundhog's Day would do? Or is this the nice thing that Jimmy Sort would do in Harvey? Mm-hmm. Is it smart or is it pleasant to be this way? So I'm not good at it, but I feel like when I don't know what to do or like when I'm interacting with people, that is something that I try to remember, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, I get that.
0: And I feel like that's a big... A big part of this, and we talked about it um, after I had watched it again, was how unflappable uh, Elwood is mm-hmm. in this movie. And there is a certain loveliness to the fact that people are trying to do some legitimately terrible things to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his attitude is
1: very, you know, much like, oh, well, they must have a reason. Yeah. You know. Or if it makes them happy to do those terrible things. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? But he's know? also kind of doing judo because he knows by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> he will be able to talk them out of doing their terrible thing or like. By being just, nice. Yeah. It'll just work out that they will see that they don't have to do the terrible thing that they want to do. And he doesn't have to fight them or scream at anybody or anything like that but he still gets what he wants throughout the whole movie pretty much but yeah. he doesn't want much no that's he doesn't want thing. anything he and wants that's, to sit and drink at the bar yeah i mean
0: like there are there are kind of two types of hero that's not true there are many types, but there are two big ones which is the hero who changes and the hero who doesn't change but the world changes around mm-hmm. that hero uh and he's definitely the the second one he
1: <laughs> yeah but what i think is interesting about him is that built into his backstory he was like a Yale man who was really yeah. smart and implied to be like maybe not the nicest person mm-hmm. or maybe just like a rowdy drunk dude or there's some kind of, of misspent youth and then like missed opportunity combined with like he was a really smart guy. So he did change at one point. You just don't see that part.
0: Right, which goes into another question for me, which mm-hmm. is, so Harvey has... A superpower Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he can stop time and transport you anywhere you want to be. And then when you're done, he brings you right back and it's as though time has never moved. Right. And my question is, how much has Jimmy Stewart's character done this?
1: Never. He says specific because you asked me that question before I watched it. And he says he can do that. But I have never been able to think of anywhere that I would rather be or with anybody else that I would rather be. So I've never done it. So he's just like, I don't even know how much Harvey has to do with any of him being the way that he is because he's friends with a God and he never has ever like abused that God's power. Interesting. Okay.
0: I, I missed that one line because Mm -hmm. there's a point. My favorite sequence is when they're in the back alley behind the bar Mm -hmm. and uh, the doctor very nicely. Like I will say this too. Like, I don't like when in movies when authority figures like doctors and cops and everything are just horrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like the the younger doctor and the younger nurse are
1: horrible. He's only horrible to the younger nurse. yeah, that is a problem.
0: <laughs> uh, but he asks him very politely, like, what was your father's name? Yeah, And there's a moment there where Jimmy Stewart
1: has to think. Yeah, that is very weird.
0: And that's why I thought, oh, has he just been away for so long Mm -hmm. that he didn't immediately remember his father's
1: name? Is he supposed to be drunk? Like what? I think he's supposed to be very drunk through the whole movie. Could be. But I think he knows what the doctor's asking him and is messing with him. That was my interpretation of that part.
0: Also could very well be. Yeah, He also says
1: a name with a last name that is not his last name. Which I didn't. Yeah, understand. that was
0: also like I, I took a moment to pause, but then he goes on about something else, and I'm just with him, mm-hmm. uh, which is something Jimmy Stewart had uh, the ability to do. Mm-hmm. Like his his monologues, he was very good at. Like you would just start nodding along with him. Yeah. And in this movie, especially, there are a couple of times when he's doing it, you're nodding along, going, yeah. <laughs> "Yeah." Um. So interesting. Okay, so he didn't take
1: part. Yeah, he's never done it. Weird. He just likes what he's doing. So he much. just likes hanging out with Harvey. Mm-hmm. Having drinks, hanging out with Harvey, being nice to people. To be fair, it seemed like a pretty pleasant bar that he would go to. The bartender seemed very nice. Well, and it's,
0: everyone seems to like him, mm-hmm. even if they think he's crazy. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know, and I guess that comes to a bigger question of like, what is the 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 theme of this movie? What is this movie trying to say? Or is it trying to say anything? Yeah. Because there's a lot like my brain tries to read into things Mm -hmm. a lot. And as I'm watching this, I'm, you know, maybe there is a there's an element of like, let people be people, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, which is, I think, can be good. um, But at the same time, can be problematic if somebody is legitimately mentally ill and suffering. But he's not suffering, nor is he causing any real suffering. Uh, His sister and his niece suffer, but that's because of them. Right. They're up yeah. their
1: own ass so much. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah they're too worried about things. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. On one level, it's just a charming film.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a snobs versus slobs situation. A little bit. Because like all the society people are miserable, <laughs> say <laughs> miserable are. things. All the educated people are just kind of like automatons in a way. Are they just like, they they know scientifically what's the best or like chemically what's the best for everybody but they don't stop to think about it so I don't I don't think it's necessarily an anti mental like uh what's the word an anti-psychological like or medication movie no but maybe uh, I don't know yeah I,
0: I it was a it was a real struggle for me uh when I was watching it and thinking of like all these society people are up their own ass. That's actually not true. Hmm. Well, I guess it is, but there, there's a great sequence at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. where, uh, they think Elwood is not coming back to the house yeah, because they're going to have a party to try to marry off
1: Myrtle May. Myrtle May. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: and he does come back. And then there's this woman there who's been wanting to see him, Uh an older woman who's been wanting to see him, hasn't seen him forever. And, he's in there talking to everybody about Harvey and it's going poorly for his his sister and his niece. And they keep trying to grab this woman and not let her go in. And and I loved the older woman's reaction to all of this. Would you please stop grabbing me? (laughs) Yeah. Stop pulling on me. I'm going to go say hi Uh to Elwood. But then as soon as... He starts talking about Harvey. Her face drops, and it's.
1: But she's specifically the woman who walks in, and looks in the room, and says, "Oh, there's so and so. I thought she was dead. She looks ghastly. I must go get a closer <laughs> look." So she's just like thrives on other people's misery.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Whereas Elwood and all of these people, that seems to be it. There's mm-hmm. no like. There's no positive um, outlook on from any of them except for Elwood.
1: Yes, Myrtle May. No, Vida, his sister, mm-hmm. is struggling against having a po- like a positive outlook, but she wants so badly to be part of the upper crust world that she kind of won't let herself have it.
0: And it, well, and she is really upset about how uh, uh, she thinks she's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like she's not evil. No, she's just she's trying to do what she thinks is right and good and good for Elwood, good for her daughter Mm -hmm. and everything. And that's why she does seem so conflicted most of the time, because everything she's doing feels bad to her. Yeah. But she thinks it's the right way to go. Right. And then when she finally when the cab driver finally lays it all out, like, (laughs) yeah, the people who I drive to this institution are all happy. And we're talking about the sunrise and everything. Yeah. And then when they get their shot and I take them back, they're miserable. Yeah. You know, like when he lays that all out, she has her epiphany.
1: And that's. Yeah, she also can. She also knows the rabbits real deep in her heart. And I guess the rabbit kind of, like, Harvey represents maybe that epiphany, that, like, universal idea of be kind, like, do unto other sort of thing, I think. Okay, I could see that. And she's resisting that by wanting to be one of the gossipy old rich ladies that she really (laughs) wants to be friends with who all have rich. Uh, nephews that she can marry her, her niece off to maybe like there's definitely a problematic approach to psychology I would say the way that like the getting the shot and getting like yeah. being happy getting the shot being miserable because you got help but I think in a more abstract way like they would maybe be thinking about it in the 50s it is like if you remove the fact that it's something that a lot of people need to live their lives in a way that's bearable to them, like psychology, like uh-huh. that that kind of thing is. Uh, in a more abstract way, I guess it is like trying to fit in as opposed sure. to – Sure. It's like going doing your own thing, marching to your own beat, opposed to making letting society make you – be the way that you have to be which generally involves not necessarily being as nice to people as you should it's so funny because we're going to talk about this again (laughs) with my film cool (laughs) so they are the same (laughs) in a a weird
0: way uh they are uh you know it's it's tough because if you liken it to like depression Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people say yeah don't take antidepressants and just go outside well it's like well that's a very uh, non-understanding of what clinical depression actually is, yeah, and definitely. how severe it is, and and what antidepressants do, and mm-hmm. and and also not thinking about everything on an individual basis. Uh, but I think there's also a thing about belief in here mm-hmm. that is like, who is he hurting? Yeah, really, like he's not the. Th- if it is his imagination. Mm-hmm the ima- the the imaginary thing makes him happy mm-hmm. makes other people happy mm-hmm. uh, it seems to be a generally good and decent thing so you know why not just Let him be right. You know, that that's he's not doing anything self-destructive or destructive to anyone else. I guess people could argue that he's being destructive to his sister and his niece.
1: Yeah. But his drinking could be destructive.
0: Well, and that's where they frame it. Right. Mm -hmm. They frame it as he's got a drinking problem, which is interesting because I didn't think until they brought it up. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me that he had a drinking problem. I just thought he was at the bar.
1: Yeah, martini will knock you on your ass if will you it? Drink.
0: <laughs> I don't drink,
1: so I don't, I don't know. It's like three or four shots of alcohol Holy crap. <laughs> in, a, in that little thing. It's alcohol mixed with a different type of alcohol. I hate so, the way he
0: says martini.
1: You hate the way he says it? Uh,
0: yeah, let's all have a martini. I like the way he says everything. Oh, no, no, no. There's something about that that just got under my skin.
1: I guess devoid of that context, though, uh, which maybe isn't fair, but like devoid of the – it's a healthy – uh, a healthy delusion that he has, if which just, isn't a delusion, right? But, right. But, but that's the problem when say, you
0: inject fantasy, yeah, into something serious like mental health. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can, you can say it's okay because it's because there really is a rabbit, right? So it takes away the idea of like, okay, but if there isn't a rabbit, then what are we dealing with?
1: Right. But but if you take a step back, I guess from. <laughs> the unfortunate framing device of the mental health aspect of it the rabbit maybe is more just like he is being nice sometimes to the detriment of himself like he is being nice to the detriment of his name or he's or, or like his uh his um reputation mm, or being yeah. nice to the detriment of his wealth that he has accumulated that like that he inherited from his family or being nice to the detriment of the education that he got, he's sacrificing certain things to be nice. So maybe the like the rabbit represents being nice, and the 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 mental health or the the asylum or whatever it is represents doing the like the straight laced normal thing. That could be. Yeah, I could definitely see an argument for that. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the last time you watched this? Yesterday. Well, before that. <laughs> oh. Um, I probably watch it once a year. Oh wow! Okay. So since probably, I I I tend to watch it around Christmas. I think for some reason to me it is like a cozy Christmas movie. To me, this is the more
0: enjoyable, sweeter version of "It's a Wonderful Life."
1: Wonderful Life is too long. Mostly,
0: <laughs> I just don't like "It's a Wonderful Life." I never yeah. I never have, and I don't I don't think it's bad. I just it never connected with me mm-hmm. as a child. I found it depressing. Yeah, and as an adult, I I find it depressing. I,
1: I it just, is. I think it has its charms. I think the end is very good. I think there are lots of little, like spattered moments of really good, but mostly it's just sad and long.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. But Harvey, I don't feel that way. So I could see this as like being my Jimmy Stewart substitute. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It's like a concentrated version of It's a Wonderful Life in a yeah. way, and it's kind of just a framing device for him to have two really good monologues. And they're wonderful.
0: Yeah. Like, they are absolutely wonderful monologues, mm-hmm. and he's really good. But, okay, so you watch it once a year. Like, are you still thankful this movie exists?
1: Yeah, definitely. I do honestly feel like it changed the way that I think about things. And I think, hopefully, for the better. I don't think that I'm very good at practicing, like, what I take away from this movie. to Like, to be kind to people. Well, I'm nice to people I think, but I was gonna say you're you're pretty you're pretty okay so <laughs> but I wish one thing that he did that I really noticed this time that I watched it was that he is so um he's so open and like will invite people into his life and mm-hmm. that is something that I have a really hard time doing. Like, he will invite people to dinner, but it would be my absolute nightmare to invite anyone to dinner (laughs) because I hate, I just don't like sitting at dinner with people and like talking over food really all that much. Or just like invite, like when he walks over to the guy who just got out of prison Mm -hmm. and he's just like, hey, how are you? What are you? What's up? What's new with you? And then the guy's like, oh, sit down and talk to me for a while. That's just like, that's something I wish that I could do that I've never been able to do. Right. Well,
0: I mean, I think part of, a quote unquote being a better person, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, whatever your vision is of that, is about recognizing it mm-hmm. more than anything, mm-hmm. and allowing allowing ourselves to say, "I wish I was better at this." How, well, why is it I want to be better at that? Well, it's because I want to make people feel better about themselves. Okay, well, if I can't do that, then how can I? How can I make people feel better about themselves in other ways? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's about working on yourself. Yeah, which. Is another thing about this film I find fascinating that Jimmy Stewart's character is all about working on himself Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to be generally good. And then the other bunch of people in there were about instituting their views upon him Mm -hmm. or upon the world like this is how you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the idea of. (laughs) Self change <laughs> yeah, and being able to you know, and even though i I think there are things we can never stop from being mm-hmm. um we can at least alert ourselves to knowing when we're doing things that yeah, we don't like our inherent what's the word I'm looking for um instinct uh-huh i I get
1: that I get that being thankful that like this movie made me think about myself, mm-hmm. and we also a- do live in a world where you could just do like you could be like the baseline person and do everything like how society does it or like have all of these preconceived like negative emotions about different kinds of people and certain things. And you'd still be able to like function in society, which is kind of a sad thing. Like there are still people who would accept you and people who would, who would be like, Oh, okay. That's okay that you hate this thing or that's okay that you talk shit about these people (laughs) and you can fall into that trap or you could do the kind of harder thing. I guess, or like the thing that takes more thought, yeah, and be the nice person.
0: I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful re- realization to have, and it's a it's a good thing to carry with you. Mm-hmm. So that's cool.
1: Would you change anything about this film? Uh, I think it would be hard. I think that there's some of the stuff in Chumley's Rest, which is the the, the psychiatric home or whatever it sanitarium, is. yeah, yeah, that they're trying to put him into. I'm sure that everything that they talk about is wrong and offensive. So,
0: <laughs> like even when they're trying to be kind in this movie, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. No. Like he's going to
1: just inject him with this thing that will make him better. And that seems like just a gross oversimplification of something that is like really hard and, and takes years and takes yeah. a lot of like self, self-awareness and, and working on yourself and working with other people.
0: Uh, Well, and I also wonder, like... I was. I did the crash course psychology, mm-hmm. and you'd think I'd remember this, but I don't know how good or bad things were in 1950. I'm guessing not great. Uh, yeah. So I don't I don't, either, I don't know in 1950 if you saw this, you would go look at that wonderful place where they give you baths, and
1: that's kind of what I suspect. I, I think that might be it, uh-huh. but I
0: don't know. This could have been way off, even for the time. Yeah. I don't actually know that.
1: It doesn't seem like something that they talked to, uh, like any psychologists <laughs> or scientists or anything like that, to figure out what to do. Uh, And I think,
0: you know, it's especially then that's more understandable. I mm -hmm. think now we would not forgive that. Yeah. But I think then that you're just trying to tell a story.
1: Yeah, definitely. So especially if it's a stage play and it's just like that to me feels different somehow Too there's broader strokes and you have to play to like the people in the back of the audience kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I think I think that something with a more. I like his worldview, but it definitely is troublesome how much of it revolves around trying to commit him and (laughs) then convincing people that getting that kind of help isn't right for him, even though I guess maybe it isn't right for some people. Yeah, I, this is a
0: conversation I often have with people who are uh thinking about going to therapy or thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. uh starting um SSRIs or or any kind of antidepressant. It's it's like, you know, this you should try it mm-hmm. and it may not be right for you. Yeah. You may have to find a combination of things and et cetera. <sighs> you know, th- that that wasn't a discussion that was happening in this movie. Yeah. But you know, yeah, that probably wasn't right for him. But at the same time, Elwood was also, didn't seem opposed to any of it. No. I think we as the audience were opposed to it. Yeah. Like, it was our perspective. But he was sort of like, oh, well, I was going to have a bath. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll come back, you know. <laughs> it, it, so it, it is an even weirder thing because the our protagonist, mm-hmm. as much as he is our protagonist, isn't really opposed to much of anything, yeah. In this movie, yeah, or or looking for anything, he doesn't want anything.
1: And I'm sure he could find the value in the treatment that they gave him too, if he if he lo- was looking for it.
0: Right, and we're not going into any of the, you know, we're not talking. To, they they didn't bring up any of the real, you know, yeah, scary stuff from that era of lobotomies yeah. and really. Uh, I know that shock therapy works for certain levels of depression and, mm-hmm. and is and and can be healthy, but at that time they were doing it all weird. Yeah,
1: so and- the. Go ahead. I do feel like there is a part where he, they confront him about his drinking, and he does like, there is a beat where he's like, oh, yeah, well, I can get control of that. Where like he kind of admits that he does, that that is something that he thinks is a problem that he has.
0: I, I find myself wanting to just know more about Elwood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to know more about his backstory. Mm -hmm. I want to know, did he go to war? Was he in World
1: War II? Yeah. Like, what? Did you get a could you get a deferment for college in World War II? Prob doesn't seem like you could. No idea.
0: Yeah. That's a very good question though. I feel
1: though. like a lot of World War Two movies have like the smart guys and they like <sighs> Well he wouldn't have been in World
0: War he wouldn't have been in college oh, age in World yeah. War II, because this was nineteen fifty, World War II ended in forty five. Oh yeah, right. Um hmm. so I'm assuming he probably would have been drafted or or could have been drafted. Yeah. Um so it's like is and they they bring up trauma at one point. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting for a movie from 1950. That's that's not really a, a quote unquote serious drama, mm-hmm. um, like Days of Was it the Days of Our Years? Days of Our Lives? It was an it was an Academy Award winner about uh, war vets. Oh um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And when they brought up trauma, and then there's that beat where he can't remember his father's name, or he's messing with him, or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's more there that I'm like. I started to ask, like, there are two levels of the film right there is the what's wrong with Elwood mm-hmm. or why is Harvey here? Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, is Harvey here because this poor man's been traumatized by something mm-hmm. and he needed he needed a puka mm-hmm. and the puka just showed up? Is yeah. that, you know, And but that's never answered. And I kind of like the fact that it's never answered. Mm-hmm. I like a little goddamn mystery. In yeah things, so I don't know.
1: I think there's a lot surrounding it. I think maybe something that also hovers over the movie is they talk about his mom and his mom's death a lot and how much he loved his mom mm-hmm. and she died in his arms and maybe that was something that put him down a different path. They don't ever explore it beyond just a few lines where she, where Myrtle or where uh, Vida's like he didn't really leave the house much because he loved our mom so much. Mm-hmm. So. He seems like an odd fellow, Mm -hmm. you know? Even before, yeah. Yeah. Even before that, he seemed like he probably was not, was a strange guy.
0: Yeah. And strange doesn't mean bad. Mm -hmm. It just means different than the people you're used to. (laughs) That's the lesson of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, do you, I think one of the questions that I have for you about this, which is probably not easy to answer, but do you think this movie in and of itself could be made today?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I was, if this At first, I thought, no way. (laughs) Not today, necessarily. And I do think that a remake of this movie, in a universe where this movie didn't exist, I think that they could make it now. And at least I wouldn't compare it to the past thing and think like, oh, this is bad. I think it's a movie that could still be done. But I was thinking about how good a version with Tom Hanks would be. I feel like he could pull it off. Yeah, he can kind of pull off anything, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Although I, I guess he hasn't played an assassin.
1: Uh, I wonder if he could play an assassin. I bet he could. He'd be so nice, and you would not suspect him at all. Just a silent—he's it's a silent performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's interesting. I think, like an '80s young, a younger Tom Hanks, I could see him
0: doing this. The tragedy is, I think, like you know, ten years ago, it would have been Jim Carrey. And I don't think that would have been a good choice. I like Jim Carrey as a performer. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he would have been a good choice. Uh, Ben Stiller would be another one that they would go after.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, There would have been a Will Ferrell version at some point, I think.
0: I would have preferred a Will Ferrell version. Yeah. Like, I think not to James Stewart. I think think Jimmy Stewart was sort of the perfect casting for that character. Yeah.
1: you have to have a weird voice to be that character.
0: A little think. bit weird voice, a little bit weird mannerisms uh-huh. uh, very nice, but also something boiling under the surface. yeah like there's a lot going on with Elwood mm-hmm. in everything because
1: we've talked about it. like we don't what is he doing with that monologue? Yeah, you know <laughs> is he is he manipulating everyone around him or is he actually just going with the flow? Right, yeah.
0: It, it, and I don't know the answer to that.. No. <laughs> you know so there, so there's that. but like I think will Farrell is a person who could do something interesting with that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think there are lots of actors who could. But yeah. but I I think Jimmy Stewart was kind of like the, the perfect pick.
1: And I think if they made it more recently than the 50s, it would have an edge to it or it would just it's just a different kind of comedy. There's something more mean-spirited about comedy now, I feel like, than there was back then. Uh, yeah, that's and true. And I think any injection of any kind of edge to this movie Or like something goofy happens and Harvey farts or something like that. I feel like they would be so tempted to do something that wasn't the gentle, like this movie is just a gentle ride. And they would try to make it wacky. Like Harvey would make all the faucets go and then the thing would flood and somebody would like go down the stairs on a flood of water or something.
0: Or the thing we haven't talked about really is they would have a giant CG bunny. Yes. And I really loved the fact that there was never a shadow on the wall. Mm-hmm. There was never anything rotoscoped in. It yeah. was just a, it Was just people talking about him, uh-huh. and then occasionally a door would open. But like other than that, there's not really.
1: Well, there's a big painting of him. Well,
0: there's a big painting <laughs> yeah. of him, but the the there's no we don't know what he actually looks like yeah. and as a kid that terrified me oh really <laughs> when i was a kid and saw this i was very upset by this movie the the rabbit scared me okay and i think part of it had to do with there's a section uh, there's a scene in the movie where the doctor chumley um is running away from the rabbit and yeah. to me he seemed really genuinely terrified i think
1: he that part is a little freaky because he does he's like walking really fast and he's drunk and sweaty and he's yeah. like, he is scared
0: yeah and i think it's appropriate mm-hmm. like because you would be <laughs> uh scared but like i don't know as a little kid when i saw this on tv that stuck with me and i remember yeah. thinking oh there's this hellish giant rabbit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then there's uh the twilight zone movie yeah Which I saw right around the same time, which I shouldn't have, that has this giant, crazy rabbit in it uh, that for some reason my brain stuck that rabbit into Harvey. Oh, that's
1: really bad. (laughs) (laughs) The rabbit that comes out of the hat, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, And and so I was always uh, scared by it. This is the first time I'd watched it. I think this is the first time I've watched it as an adult. Okay. And... I think I texted you, this is a sweet movie. Yeah. And it is. It's not in the, sweet, dude. Like, it's just, it's very- <laughs> It's very gentle. Gentle, I yeah. think, is
1: is what you said. And it's just, yeah, it's just a gentle movie. And- It's like a slapstick, except nobody really falls down.
0: Well, the one guy at the beginning. Yeah,
1: just a few people fall down. Yeah,
0: a couple people fall down. But generally, it's it's not even what I would call a comedy. It's sort of an amusing drama. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's it, it, And- It was a unique experience for me to watch it as an adult and to come away going, well, that was just pleasant Mm -hmm. as opposed to I loved it. You know, it was just (laughs) like,
1: oh, that was pleasant. It's really easy to watch.
0: It is. It's easy to watch. It's easy to listen to. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I just I really
1: enjoyed it. You said that there was a lot of stuff happening under the surface with Elwood, but I feel like as we've hashed out how maybe unimportant Harvey was to changing Elwood's perspective on life Mm -hmm. or like how he wasn't necessarily catalyst for that. I feel like there's a lot going on with him too kind of because Harvey in relation to the doctor has kind of a sinister edge to it where like he is kind of an all-powerful being and – there is somebody who's trying to like realize the the kind of some of the darker elements of his all powerfulness. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I was reading up on it a little bit, and Puka can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like that was another thing that I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't necessarily, like he doesn't ever really do anything nice. Elwood's the nice one, right? He seems like a normal like the rabbit seems normal, I guess. But you don't really know much about him at all. No, yeah. Uh, except
0: Elwood is always opening doors for him. And, and, <laughs> and putting his arm around putting him. Putting his arm around him, like,
1: oh, no, come this
0: way. Yeah, like, um, yeah I, I don't know. It, it's very, very strange. It's also, I think when the doctor is running away from him, I think there's reason for the doctor to feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Like he locks the door and Harvey just opens it and strolls in. Yeah. Like, so clearly that's a threatening thing that like, yeah. is happening. I think he could blink you out of existence if he wanted to. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could put you somewhere out of time. Yeah, he could put you in the cornfield. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is the same It's right? <laughs> It is. Uh, it's
1: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that kid's friends with Harvey in the Twilight Zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is that rabbit. It's the rabbit. <laughs> you cracked it. Okay, I have one more more question about a part that I've never understood in this. Go for it. He is sitting in the bar. In the bar scene, when he's sitting in the back of the bar talking about him meeting Harvey, he talks about all the people coming into the bar and telling him all about their problems. (laughs) Then he says that after they tell him about their lives, he tells them about Harvey. And then he says, and they're impressed by that. And then after that, the same people never really come back into the bar. But that's just, but then he says that's just envy and there's a little bit of envy in everybody. And that seems like a very dark thing to say to me. I also had trouble parsing that. I had Mm -hmm. trouble figuring out, what are you saying? Are they jealous? Or is he, is he coyly saying that somehow he's jealous or something? I think he's saying that they're jealous of him and his big rabbit though. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also don't, I mean, this is. This is information that isn't provided to us, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But I can't imagine how amazing Harvey's life is that anyone would be envious of him.
1: Elwood's life? No,
0: Harvey. Harvey's life. Because he tells them about Harvey and mm-hmm. his life, mm-hmm. and they're envious. Now, see, okay, are they talking about Harvey and Elwood's life together? That's my impression of it. My my reading was I tell them about Harvey's life. Oh, and they're telling us about Harvey? <laughs> That's how I heard it.
1: Huh. Well... I could be wrong. <laughs> I assumed that he thought that they were jealous of him and then they didn't come back because they were envious of him.
0: But That's it, weird though because his whole thing is trying to make people comfortable yeah, and and
1: feel better. He wouldn't want to make anybody feel envious. Right. So I feel like there's some second meaning to that part that I've never been able to parse exactly, mm-hmm. but maybe it's maybe there's not. There might not be or there might be a lot there and you
0: know, th- th- especially you know 1950s american cinema there there wasn't an expectation mm-hmm. that there would be a lot more going on yeah. beneath the surface even though there were films that definitely had a lot more going on yeah but yeah that that is a, a very bizarre sequence mm-hmm. where he talks about that
1: and it comes in the middle of like the the ultimate like that's like the probably the climax of the movie almost is him sitting there talking about how he met the rabbit, like that is where every where you learn everything and all the yeah. answers are revealed basically. So it's just kind of stuck in there and it's like, why <laughs> are you just? Is it a coping mechanism because you make everybody uncomfortable and that's why that's how you justify it to yourself? Is that the little last bit of him that's not nice? Yeah, so you're just jealous. Weird. It's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It Maybe that's weird. he's imperfect. He's like the boot, like... But he... I think he would agree with you. Yeah. I am imperfect, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also a little too flirty, maybe. You know, though, he didn't... He, he
0: His goal was to get them together. Yeah. The, the doctor and the nurse. Yeah. I was... We've talked about this before. Age differences and stuff don't really bother me. Um, you know, as long as we got consenting adults, I don't care. Yeah. I, I honestly don't. But... There was a weird thing where he, where I thought they were going to make those two. I thought they were going to make Elwood and the nurse, mm-hmm. the couple. And I was kind of like, this feels not right. Yeah. And then it isn't, it isn't the way the story was going. I was like, okay, this feels right. And I think that has more to do with Elwood in general doesn't seem interested in that. And I think he even says at one point, like he's passed that or something.
1: That sounds, that sounds kind of familiar.
0: Like he used to dance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but, used to know all kinds of dances. Yeah,
0: yeah. But then he, yeah, it's that's the young person's thing or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I don't appreciate because we're about the same age. <laughs> but whatever. Do you dance? I would. <laughs> I would at least do that stupid little shuffle he did.
1: Yeah, the uh, the varsity <laughs> drag. I, think that's what it was I called. can't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know he.
0: It started out making me feel a little uncomfortable uh-huh. between the two of them, mostly just because I felt like he was so odd Yeah, that that relationship, she seemed so normal.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and somebody at work was being rude to her all the time, so I think she was probably just relieved to have somebody being nice to her. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know,
0: I was really happy that you selected this movie.
1: Yeah, I think it was – I think – it was a toss-up between this and Groundhog Day, the two things that formed. That is not what you told the religion me. Religion of me. Well, there was also Godzilla, uh, Mothra, Rodan, Destroy All Monsters. Yes, which <laughs> was a th- it was a three-way toss-up. I was flipping a three-sided coin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I didn't. I think at the end of the day, I was like, I don't. I didn't really learn anything from Destroy All Monsters. <laughs> you just really love it. <laughs> I just really think it's a very fun movie. That's fair. It is the kaiju movie that I like. They should all be. In my opinion, I've never seen it. There so there should be lots of monster fights, and this one's all monster fights. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's
0: uh, move on now to quite a few years into the future. Mm-hmm. 2005 for the film *Serenity*, written and directed by Joss Whedon. That is the finale. Wasn't necessarily intended to be the finale. They were hoping to do more um,
1: oh, things if was it was one of successful. My questions.
0: But uh, well, I think I know what your question is, and we can still talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, it was. A movie of the show Firefly it wasn't a reboot. It was it picks up after the show had ended. Um, some say prematurely on Fox. Fox really mishandled Firefly. Yeah. Badly. And uh, but Universal gave Joss Whedon the opportunity to write and direct a movie. And he did. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And uh, I've watched it a lot and my feelings for it have grown every, every time I watch it. So I'll do a quick breakdown. Okay. Uh, Firefly, the series, takes place in a future several hundred years into the future where uh, Earth that was uh, ran out of resources. So we had to scatter across the galaxy. We found another solar system, we terraformed, and the inner planets, the, um, the inner rim, <laughs> Uh, are all civilized and very normal futuristic earth. And then the outer rim territories are old West. And like, it's a very literal take on a a space Western.
1: The ship Uh, looks like a horse. Yeah.
0: For instance, the ship looks like a horse, but in in the show, there was a lot of horse riding and uh, stuff because they're, they're out there. They don't have a lot of technology. And uh, this, the captain Malcolm Reynolds has picked up a doctor and his sister And there is something odd about the sister. The sister is possibly psychic. She was uh, experimented on by the Alliance uh, to make sort of a weapon Mm -hmm. out of her. And she is dangerous and the Alliance wants her back. And the whole gist of this movie is, does Malcolm Reynolds give them back? Does he protect them? How does this work into this whole found family vibe that they have going? And uh, in the end, he protects them, but it also means uncovering one of the great secrets of the Alliance, which is the Alliance is uh, trying to extend a lot of control over people and make them behave in a certain way and and get them to uh, think correctly, as River's dream points Mm -hmm. out at one point. And we find out that there was an experiment to get people to calm the fuck down mm-hmm. on a on a planet that had been terraformed where they injected a drug into the air which was supposed to calm people. And it calmed people so d- down so much that they just laid down and died. Except for what I think it was one one hundredth of the population went the opposite direction yeah. and became the Reavers, which were just unmitigated rage. Uh, and they... Are they tear their own skin off? They rape and murder and each other as well as other people, and they are just horrible. And that has been the big secret. They were the sort of the boogeymen of space. They were in the show.
1: Were they in the show? Yes, they okay. were in the
0: show, and I want to talk about that. Okay. Um. And this movie highlights where they came from. Right. And uh, and we end with a with Malcolm putting the signal out that this is what happened and this is how the Reavers came to be. And that is kind of the
1: end of our movie. Yeah. does that pretty much sum it up? I think that's pretty much it. Okay. We'll talk about more specifics. There's like some getting the band back together aspects of the movie. A little bit. I yeah. think, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because
0: yes. uh, Shepherd Book, they go to see who and was- is
1: late And his girlfriend
0: and, <laughs> or and something. Um, and uh, Inara Singh, who is- um, I, I, I like the idea that in the future, prostitutes are- almost considered royalty like they're they're very highly respected in the future well they say that but then there are people in the show who just treat them like whores and so it's you know it it's still a thing but yeah she's they're what's called companions
1: was she training to be a monk or was that a companion thing That just a companion thing okay
0: yeah so, uh, yeah, there's stuff like that. We see Shepard Book on this planet where they go to outrun the bad guys at one point, and he gets some sage advice from Shepard Book, and mm-hmm. then they kill Shepherd Book, <laughs> and,
1: uh, yeah. All right. So, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to ask you questions. It's your turn, man. <laughs> what makes you thankful for Serenity? Can I guess real quick? Yeah. Rachel said after it was over, I think that part of maybe what Nick liked about this movie was that there had been two to three really terrible high profile sci fi movies that had come out and this one which are the Star Wars movies. The Star Wars prequel oh, yeah, and this one was such a like a like a back to basics but also like had a brain and ethics that had a through line that you could follow. Everybody had their own mission. You can understand what it was. This one was like back to Star Wars kind of.
0: I think there probably was some of that. I will say that when I walked out of the theater to see this, I was not all that moved. Okay. I didn't really, it was fine. Mm -hmm. There was a lot I liked about it, Mm -hmm. but I was a little frustrated with it when I walked out. Um, As I have rewatched it, I picked up things here and there, and it became a film that I just fell in love with the more I watch it. Uh Uh-huh. So it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. It wasn't an immediate, I love this movie. It was, I'd kind of like to watch that again at first. And then I saw things in it. I saw uh, everything from filmmaking techniques, Mm -hmm. which I use a lot of this when I would be teaching editing. There's a lot of really well-cut sequences. Uh, Lisa Lazak, who is Joss Whedon's editor, um, did an amazing job cutting this. Film. Mm-hmm. There are some things uh, that got cut that got left on the cutting room floor because of time. That's not really her fault at all. But there, the sequence where River, the psychic girl, goes nutso in a bar yeah. is really well cut. Uh-huh. Like, And the way it's cut uses montage theory to make it effective. And so it's a great way to introduce people to montage theory Hmm. and how Soviet montage works on the human brain. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's, you know, there's a lot in here about that. I also love how it was filmed. Um, Jack Green shot it. He also shot another one of my favorite movies, which is unforgiven. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. That's a Western too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's my favorite Western. Like it is an incredible yeah, and it's an incredible looking film.
1: I thought the bank robbery scene was very, like very strong. I really at the enjoyed, beginning, at the very beginning. yeah, 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 I really enjoyed that part. <laughs>
0: um, and so what made me thankful is the more I watched it, the more I started to pick up on how much was embedded in the film in uh-huh. terms of things like belief. Uh-huh. Uh, I love the line where, they're running away from the bad guys and shepherd book tells me, the only thing that's going to get you out of this is belief. And he's like, don't talk to me about God. Mm -hmm. He's like, why do you think I'm talking about God? I'm talking about belief. Those are two different things. Yeah. And I appreciated that because I am also not a religious person. Mm -hmm. I am, I am kind of as atheist as you get. Mm -hmm. And the idea that it's not about believing in a higher power, it's about believing in something Mm -hmm. in believing that something is right. Above all else. Yeah. And I think there are these great revelation moments in the movie. There's a there's a small one where Mal, the captain, realizes that he does believe in something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when the bad guy point blank asks him, do you believe that? Yeah. And he has a smirk and he says, yes, I do. At the very end. <laughs> <one>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's that great moment. It's a great moment for an actor to have. And then there's the moment where the operative, the bad guy, realizes that he is wrong mm-hmm. that I also really appreciate.
1: I really liked his arc.
0: Oh man. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor's arc in this, his, his portrayal, the way the character's written and his, his entire arc is magnificent. Yeah. I think it's just like they stuck the landing and everything. Like uh-huh. <laughs> he is so good. Uh-huh. Um, and so there are things like that. There are things like, uh, I totally believe that there that the government would do something like what they did with the reavers. <laughs> sure, like they would try to do they would try to do something that would calm us down, and it would make things worse. Yeah, and then they would cover it up. Like I believe that you know not on that scale, but like I believe that there are people in our government that would just do shitty things like that. Right, you know, just to try to control people. Not just in our government, just like when you get people into power, they want to control people, uh-huh. and so seeing that felt like a lot of my beliefs reflected back at me. And I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> um, and then just from, I really enjoy when you mix genres. They mix a whole lot of genres on this one. There, there are three, some would say four, but there are three big ones. Yeah. And obviously there's Western, then there's sci-fi and then there's sort of martial arts samurai.
1: Yeah. I was surprised how much martial arts there was in this movie.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I like how all three of these things have things that are exciting Mm -hmm. and, like, cinematic and fun. Like, for the Western, you have gunfights and chases. The sci-fi element, you have space battles Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. And then in the samurai, you got sword fights and martial arts and stuff like that. But then each one of these also has, like, they're very meditative. Each of these genres is very meditative about certain things. So, like... With the Western, you have this meditative idea about loneliness and violence.
1: And the de- and also like the death of the f- Wild West kind of. Yeah. Which um, is a big part of this movie.
0: It is. It's, you know, it, it, one thing that is problematic about this movie and about a lot of movies that deal with the Old West is usually there. We're sort of siding with the Confederacy.
1: <laughs> like, sure. Yeah.
0: Um, they don't. The these people are not pro-slavery, whatever. We're dealing with a very select few of them, but that is the problem with-
1: Well, in this movie of- specifically, they fought a war and they the, the heroes in this ship were like the, they weren't the Confederacy literally, but they were trying to secede from- Yes. The greater body of power. Yes. Yeah.
0: And they lost. Yeah. So, so there is that, and I'm well aware of that. Yeah. But at the same time, there is an interesting thing to that of like, stop messing with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm just trying to live my life. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure there are a lot of other civil war type conflicts where that side was right. It's just kind of an unfortunate part of our history. Yes. That the, our, the people who tried to secede from us happened to believe some really disgusting things. Yep. So, yeah.
0: Really disgusting. Yeah. Let's not, uh, yeah, let's, let's please yeah. stop, stop it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, uh, science fiction also is meditation on where we could go wrong with ourselves. Yeah. Uh, pushed too far, usually usually bound up with technology. That isn't so much the case in here. Technology is usually pretty nice in this one. I feel like. Yeah, the technology is more of a means yeah. than anything. Uh, but there's still this meditation on like left unchecked. This is what governments. This is what people in power will do. Mm-hmm. This is how they hurt people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is that thing about you know honor and doing the right thing mixed in with the samurai epic. Yeah. And the you know what do you believe in?
1: Also. Western kind of too. There's always like the outlaw yeah. make trying to make good who has to make good at the expense of his own life or his own freedom or something yeah. like or that.
0: Or there's, you know, the, the, the last stand mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. You know, that is good cinematically and um and, and it exists in this movie very much so. So there's a lot of that that I think I'm thankful for this movie because I see a lot of what I like represented yeah. up on screen. Mm-hmm. I see the type of stories I would want to tell, the type of stories I want to be told Yeah, um, up there. And it made me feel – even when I first saw it, it made me feel like this is a th- – th- this – I understand this. Mm-hmm. And this person understands me maybe a little bit. The people who are telling this story understand me.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: And I it's as many movies as I've watched it's a very rare reaction that I have. I don't feel that way.
1: <laughs> Do you feel that way about other Joss Whedon stuff?
0: Um I would say a little bit with Buffy. Uh-huh. I did. Uh, actually, no. I'd say a lot with Buffy. Yeah, actually, and uh, not with Firefly the show, though. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I liked Firefly. It was fine. Yeah. Um, But I did not get that you understand me the way I did with Buffy. Yeah. Like Buffy, the whole thing. Well, for the first five seasons, I was like, this was made for me. Yeah. Like, and that's how I felt uh didn't feel that way with Angel, didn't feel that way with uh Dollhouse, didn't feel that way with Firefly, but I, I did feel that know. way with Serenity. Okay. I walked out of Serenity and even though there are elements of it that I didn't really like, I was like
1: that's that's what I want to see, that's what I want to those are the stories I want to tell. What did it do differently from from Firefly? What does that title refer to?
0: Firefly is the uh type of ship. Oh, okay. If not note, the name of the ship. No, name <laughs> of the ship is Serenity. Right. Yeah. Uh which is another thing I like about this is the the title the name of the ship is Serenity. It was Serenity Valley was the battle and then the government oh. is trying to make everybody serene. <laughs> oh. and so I like okay. that that's all embedded in there. Yeah. Um so the what this did different from the show the show one, it was very – for the first half of the season, it was really episodic mm-hmm. and and very much an anthology. And I don't really like anthologies. I like it to have an arc mm-hmm. to the whole thing. It felt like it found its footing right as it got canceled. Just like yeah. the last four or five episodes of the show were incredibly good. Yeah. And then it was gone.
1: Are the last – is that an arc where they're dealing with the doctor and the the – Little sister at all? No.
0: Or? Well, the last episode is for sure, but they pick up the the doctor and the and uh, River. Okay. At the first episode. Okay. okay. So um, there's a you know, basically a quick retelling of that in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's,
1: that's a pretty good intro scene when he's, when he's like, right? like a count of Monte Cristo in her. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool when they were like, he used his whole, his whole fortune on this one escape plan. He like built his whole life around breaking her out of this genetic He lab. gave up
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he knew he was doing it the whole time. It wasn't like, right. Like he yeah. intentionally made himself famous and smart so he could do this one thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think so. I think he had snuck in because mm-hmm. he was not. He was a a, a world class surgeon, right? Is what he
1: was. They, my dad made me watch the last episode of the show. Oh, objects which in is space. actually really helpful because it. Yeah. They they for some reason say what everybody does. Like, it's a very it's a very good primer, I guess, to the whole thing. I feel like. Uh, that was objects in space, right? Is that the one? With the it's the bounty hunter guy. Yeah, yeah. Jubal Early. Yeah, yeah. kick him into space. Oh
0: God, that that is a good episode. It was
1: it was enjoyable. Yeah,
0: I love that. I also love that actor when he's like, well, "I do have a mighty roar." Yeah, <laughs> then... that is very. It's very Joss Whedonie. That is. that episode was. Um, I also uh, the the show I think tried to be a little goofier mm-hmm. and. Uh, tr- in, in a way to make it more charming. And i just, I'm not into that. Yeah. And I feel like this was a, a little bit more of a serious take. Yeah. So it just, it's sort of everything I liked about Firefly, this heightened and everything I didn't like about Firefly, it kind of got rid of. Okay. So there's that. Uh, and then I also really love the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Like I feel like that is a perfect superhero movie that was speaking directly to me what I wanted out of a superhero movie. That was it. And... So Joss has done it three times for me.
1: <laughs> I feel like even... I don't necessarily... I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't know if it's a perfect superhero movie in my heart, but it does feel like that was an important one to have as the first like team movie. It set up a yeah. like a very stable foundation for all the rest of them to be built on top of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could extrapolate a lot of weirdness from that one kind of like really solidly constructed movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the final thing that I'll say about this movie is there's a... don't quite know how to say this there's a sadness to it there's Mm -hmm. a sadness to this movie even though our heroes quote-unquote win in the end and it's not even about who dies and who lives but there is there is a loneliness and a sadness to the movie to the score it's one of my favorite scores it's there's a moment where speaking of characters having revelations you talking about simon building his whole career and everything there's a moment when he gets shot and mm-hmm. he's lying on the floor and he has his moment where he realizes he's failed. Yeah. That is one of the hardest things I've ever watched. Yeah. Like for him to be talking about, no, I gotta get some, I gotta get Calavar for Kaylee and I gotta, I gotta, and then he runs out of breath and he just starts apologizing. And yeah. it is so well written, so well acted um, and so poignant to the whole thing. And it, it sets up the feeling that we're about to have a wild bunch where everyone's going to die, where we're we're not going to make it.
1: I was surprised that nobody else did.
0: Yeah, I actually (laughs) was too. Um, So there's a lot about it. It's like exactly like, I like to have those, those moments in movies Mm -hmm. where characters realize I can't do it. Yeah. This, this, this was beyond me. And Mm. I, and I love that he got to have that moment. Um, And it sounds bad. It sounds like I'm, I'm excited about failure but I don't think we get to experience that enough vicariously.
1: Yeah, It was a really impactful part of the movie.
0: Yeah, because regardless, like he—he he didn't save the day. Mm-hmm. You know, he—he
1: he got shot, he and got his sister shot. had to sac- had to potentially sacrifice herself yeah, to do it and to he save didn't everyone want else. That,
0: that is exactly what he did not want to right. happen. She had to
1: kill a whole
0: everyone, <laughs>
1: <laughs> a whole everyone. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Did people like this? Did fans of the show like this movie when it came out?
0: Um, this was before I got onto Tumblr or anything like uh-huh. that, or uh, really had any sort of social media presence. I believe that people, this much like Firefly, I believe, got very popular on video. Yeah, it 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 didn't do well in the theaters. It had a forty million dollar budget, which is still fairly low budget for something like this. Yeah, um, it only made ten. In its opening weekend. And I okay. think it made 38 total. So it, it underperformed. Yeah, But then it did really well on Blu-ray and DVD and stuff like that. And so I think people generally like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I honestly have not had many conversations with other Serenity yeah. fans.
1: <laughs> it seems utterly bizarre to me that this movie would even exist in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah. It does. It seems completely bizarre. But... It does, mm-hmm. and it. I think a lot of people like Wash is one of the favorite, one of everybody's favorite characters, right. and I think people were unhappy that he.
1: Why got did killed. he die?
0: Well, there are legal reasons. Okay. Uh, he could not commit to more sequels. Oh. So he mm-hmm. He's Alan, married
1: to somebody on the crew, so that'd be kind of hard to write him off of it.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Alan Tudyk was starting to take off. Yeah. At that moment. And uh, he and Ron Glass both, Ron Glass played Shepard Book uh, oh. both. So they just killed everybody who couldn't be Well, movies. <laughs> that was what Universal kind of came down and was like, we need you to commit. If you can't, we're going to have to kill you off. Yeah. Um, and so they did. I think especially Shepard Book's death was really powerful mm-hmm. to me. And he had a re- some really great last lines. Yeah.
1: Um, Wasn't nuts about them using their corpses to decorate their ship so they could get through the...
0: This feels like a very Western thing to me. Yeah, like
1: def- it, definitely. Yeah, now that you say that, it does seem like the kind of disguise <laughs> that you would have to do in a in a Western movie. But. Yeah,
0: or there is there. You know, there's also a lot of talk in this movie of heaven and hell, and yeah, uh, and spirituality, and like the I like the idea that they have to almost literally go through hell. Yeah, and they have to dress up like demons. Yeah, in order to get there, and and it's and but I do appreciate the fact that all of
1: them are like what. Yeah. Like, whoa. It's a truly horrifying thing to ask someone to do. It is. Is lash skeletons to the front of your ship. <laughs> also, the skeletons would not make it through the atmosphere, I wouldn't no, think. No, but, you know, yeah. that's
0: sci-fi, fantasy, whatever. I, yeah. I'm not too worried about that. But, uh, but yeah, they would they would burn up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but as far as I know, like, it was – like, everyone still would want more Firefly. Yeah. I don't. I honestly, that was one of my questions. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that this – I feel like this movie ended it in a way that I was very happy with. Mm -hmm. I don't need any more.
1: I could honestly see it being something where you wait until – what's that guy? Who's the lead actor? Nathan Fillion. Yeah, yeah. You wait till Nathan Fillion's old and then you make (laughs) another Firefly about him as an old man and it's kind of like – like the last episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, or something. Oh yeah, where, where just McCoy like, is the <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, where he's like got to get in the shit one more time.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you could do that. I would be fine with it. Yeah. I uh, i i i feel like there's room in the world for stories to end.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true too. And. I feel like Joss Whedon really made a point with this movie, an emotional point, mm-hmm. a metaphorical point. Like he really, I feel like he drew it all together. Yeah in this film and the actors did and everything. And like, I don't need
1: to see anymore. The thing that really makes me nervous about live action stuff like this, especially is that the longer it goes on, the more likely it is that you're just going to kill every character off basically. Yeah. Cause that's just the default way that movies deal with people having to not be in their movie anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So it's like you keep making the Marvel movies and eventually, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, they'll all have to be dead because they're never going to be in the movies again. Right. They can't just w- be like, well, I'm I'm going away now. <laughs> you know? Well, they could, though. <laughs> I don't know why they don't. They could do that.
0: They could do that. but I guess because then the audience would be like, why don't you just call Iron Man? So
1: Yeah, but that's how comic books are all the time, too. That's There's true. so much stuff Superman could solve for Batman if Batman would just call him up.
0: I mean, technically, Superman could solve all the crime. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but for me, I'm... Really happy with this being the end of that story. That's good. I, I think there's some. I think there's something to be said for allowing a story to end gracefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, the end of Firefly was not graceful. It was really messi- messily handled. It was a
1: weird last episode.
0: That episode didn't even air. It didn't? No, I think oh. I think that and the three previous episodes did not air. And oh, they were weird. like three of the best episodes huh. in the entire show, but they got canceled. And then I think the final episode was that aired was, I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was the one. Oh, you didn't see it. Mm-mm. No, never mind then. Okay. Ah. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, there's this. Remember that one? No, you don't. You don't remember because you remember didn't remember anyone yeah. except the one that I saw so you, that I do remember I really like that episode though I think that's a tremendous episode yeah
1: um I've that that uh that bounty hunter was a very strange man
0: very strange and threatening
1: yeah he yeah. was spooky without having to be like scared like he wasn't physically intimidating or anything he was just like an alien he was just weird
0: <laughs> well and that's the other thing that I really liked about um Firefly and Serenity, both—is there no aliens?
1: Oh yeah, okay.
0: It's uh, and I say liked. I feel like this is again, it's reflecting me uh-huh. and my beliefs. I don't think there's anything out there.
1: Oh man. What?
0: And um, or at least not that we'll find. Okay. Like fair enough. That's uh, is there could be, uh, but they'll I don't think come,
1: they'll have to come find us. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't. I don't think. I, I don't. I don't think humanity is ever gonna find that yeah i think we're alone and I, and that matters to me uh-huh. because then if if we're all there is then all that matters is how we treat each other yeah okay <laughs> that's it and so uh i like that this takes place in a universe where we're it yeah because then it makes again it makes that sadness and it makes that loneliness even more poignant
1: yeah to it raises me. the stakes in a way too i guess in a way. Yeah. Um, but, There's nobody going gonna bail you out yeah no, no Vulcans are gonna come and help you stop World War three no does Jane ever do anything useful in the whole series because he doesn't really do anything useful in this movie or in the last episode um Jane
0: has a couple little moments he was one of my big frustrations with the show because he's so well acted uh-huh. by Adam Baldwin yeah uh but they continue there, there is a really good moment he has it's a wonderful moment and it's not that he does anything good mm-hmm It's his reaction to what he's done. Um, And again, for me, it's about characters having revelations. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that Whedon and his team of writers do really well. Mm -hmm. So he nearly gets Simon and River captured. I think in in
1: the previously on Firefly,
0: it shows that. And Mal puts him in an airlock. Yeah. And is about ready to flush him out. and, Uh. And Jane just simply says, Mal... Don't tell him what I did. Oh, that's sad. It is sad. Yeah. That, I think to me, that made me love him a little bit. Just a little bit enough to go,
1: you know. Because he hates himself too, in a way. He does. Yeah.
0: But he is a big, like he's a big brute, but he's also a big coward. Yeah. Um, He also has one of my favorite moments in this movie, which is where he just, he basically just crumples a man. (laughs) Yeah, when he picks him up. No, no, no. It's not where he picks him up. It's in the bar fight. Uh Uh-huh. And he's about to fight with river and this man just runs up to him and he just smashes. Him. Oh, right. right, right. <laughs> I just love that moment. Yeah. It's just so blunt. And you, you come, you contrast that with her dance, like yeah. moves and everything. And it's, it's really beautiful. But yeah, Jane has, he's self-aware. Yeah. Which I like and I appreciate. And, but he is out for himself. Mm-hmm. It, the, the thing about the series is it's not so much true if you just watch the movie in and of itself. But you wouldn't keep Jane if you were Mal. Oh, right. Like, That's what. He's, yeah, yeah, He's too unpredictable. Yeah, he's like,
1: angry all the time. He screws up a lot of stuff. He questions your authority a lot. In front of kind of, of everybody. like turns everybody against you.
0: Yeah, and so that was one of those things where it's just I find this unbelievable. Wait,
1: were they in the war together or something? No, no,
0: okay. no. The 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 episode where they all meet it's called Out of Gas. Okay. And it's a, he gets shot and stuck on the ship by himself. Mm-hmm. And he remembers where he meets everybody as he goes around the ship. Oh. Uh, but none of it was in the show before, so it was all filmed. Oh, okay. Um, so it's not like a, you know, a best of. Right. It's, it's just him having flashbacks to so where flashbacks. he met everybody. And he, they're getting held up on a planet by Jane and two other guys. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he starts tempting Jane to come over to his side.
1: Oh, well, that's not a great start for it's him not, anyway. It,
0: it's not a great start. It is funny. Uh-huh. Like there's some funny back and forth. It's like, well, do you get your own bunk? And he's like, I got to share a bunk with that one. And it's a, <laughs> <laughs> this ugly guy over in the corner. Um. So it's, yeah, I think like that's another thing I like about Serenity is that this, this story works as a self-contained thing. The more you try to stretch it out into episodes, it started to fail to work for me because yeah. you wouldn't put up with Jane. Especially when you find when like uh, there's an episode where he asks one of the bad guys to do something and the bad guy scoffs at him. So he just kicks him right into the the engine. Uh-huh. And it's like y- you have those instincts or where he just blows away the operative in this uh, in Serenity where he says, I'm not armed. I'm oh, here. And then yeah. he just says, good and shoots him like that personality. I don't think would would put up with Jane.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: So, but within the context of the movie, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Once you stretch it out into episodes, I don't think it's fine. Okay. It starts to fall apart. Okay. So, so Jane has his ups and downs. I just think they made him too much of a.
1: Too, he's a liability. He's too much of a liability. Yeah. Uh, to really work. But I guess every every old western stage or uh, bank robbing crew needs somebody who's a bit of a wild card, <laughs> or else nothing bad would ever happen.
0: I guess. I, I, I yeah. think you could make bad things happen without that. In
1: real life, you don't need a wild card. No.
0: But, but I think it, I think the wild card, again, works well in a movie.
1: Yeah. And like you said, Mal is kind of the wild card sometimes. He also is kind of a wild card. He just makes up. He makes it up as he goes. Right. So well, they even... did seem like their characters seemed kind of similar, except one was incredibly incompetent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I didn't quite see the need to have both of them, I suppose.
0: Yeah, Or he was supposed to just be the muscle. And I was like, yeah, you kind of got the muscle. But Mal's
1: already strong. He already knows how to fight. Also, the other lady who they pick up also knows how to fight.
0: Yeah, Inara. Uh, yeah. That is also an interesting thing about this is that I liked how the operative was very elegant Mm -hmm. when he fought and Mal was just a bruiser. Yeah. And I I appreciated that. And that's how they fought. And it wasn't, it reminds me of an old fighting adage that you brawl a boxer and you box a brawler. So if you're fighting somebody, if you're a brawler and you see a boxer, you have to brawl with them to throw them off of their game. Right. Or if you are a boxer and you're fighting a brawler, you have to be super intricate with everything you're doing and use really good technique. So, it messes them up. Right. And that's kind of what you're seeing mm-hmm. in this movie, especially that final fight, which I think is a wonderfully choreographed yeah. fight. Uh, and I also love, the, you shot me in the back uh, moment, which is a great, another Western trope. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think they needed Jane. Uh, I think he works in the movie and I just love the actor so much. Yeah. That I was happy to see him yeah. again. Also had that moment when he's at the beginning, when they're running from the Reavers, and he gets harpooned in the leg. Yeah. And he's getting <laughs> That was horrible. <laughs> and he's getting pulled off and he's like, You shoot me before they eat me. Yeah. <laughs> and he pulls the gun, he's like, Well, don't shoot me first. <laughs> like great dialogue. I like that part. Uh and you know, actually to go back to Rachel's point, uh-huh. I do think this is what I was kind of hoping for out of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Because this is more like what Star Wars was with Han Solo. Definitely. And, uh and then you have River being more of the Jedi. Yeah
1: thing Yeah, in Mal the is a very Han Solo. He's like a nicer Han Solo in I, a way. I, he's definitely more fun. Y- he's a, yes. <laughs> he's a less he's a less crabby Han Solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> was this how it would have played out in the show?
0: Yes. Yeah. This was okay. his plan for season two. Okay, because I could see the season way.
1: arc like in yeah. my head as I was watching. I was like oh yeah, this uh this operative guy would be the main bad guy who'd right. pop up throughout the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I can't say enough good about him. Yeah, he was great. And he was also very much like he was as Mordo and Doctor yeah. Strange, <laughs> which is cool because I really liked Mordo That and was Doctor the Strange. only thing I really liked about Doctor Strange. That was, was such a great rewriting of that villain who's such a worthless villain in the comic books <laughs> to make him be like, you're making magic so cheap with all of your bad usage of it. Yeah. He's kind of not the bad guy. He's just like- horrified with how kind of the ancient one was bad. Well, and he, he has kind of a point
0: yeah. at the end of that movie where yeah. he's sort of like, I think there's too many things happening here. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm going to take care of that. Uh-huh. So I hope he comes back. Yeah, me too. I, I think I, he would be a good, he'd be like a good Avengers villain someday or something. Yeah, too. I, I, I really,
0: Chiwetel Ejiofor is just one of my favorite actors. Yeah. And I, I, any chance to get to see him, he's wonderful in 12 years a slave. Yeah. He is just Great. And I saw a
1: tweet that said he should be Lex Luthor, and I thought that would be really good. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. He'd be a great Lex Luthor. He would be an amazing one. He's so Luthor. good at speaking authoritatively about what he believes in deeply. Yeah, he is.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, this is something that Tobin and I talked about a bit, uh, about him, it wasn't on a podcast, we were just mm-hmm. talking, that he believes he's a monster. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. But he also, when he is shown the truth, changes his mind. Yeah. Which to me... Doesn't necessarily seem like a monster. I mean, yeah. what he does, he does monstrous things, but people in the military do monstrous things mm-hmm. when they're told to by their government. Yeah. When so faced
1: with overwhelming evidence, he made the logical decision.
0: He made the right decision. Yeah. You know, he was like, oh, this is terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and I appreciated the fact that he had that moment where. He says, you're going to, you know, you think you can roll over us just so you can live in your perfect city or your perfect world. And he's like, I I can't live there. Yeah. I'm a monster. Yeah. There's no place for me. Which makes him chilling because uh-huh. he's like, I know what I am. And so, uh, uh, yeah, just so much about that quote unquote villain. Yeah. That I love.
1: I think they were such a great, that Mal and uh, the, operative. the operative were such a great villain hero pair. Weren't that, they? Yeah. The rest <laughs> of it I think was okay, mm-hmm. but- their stuff was so good that it kind of made the elevated the rest of the movie. I guess I'm right.
0: It's kind of classic storytelling in that you have two people diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to each other, they're different methods, um, different even different ways of speaking, yeah, uh, just down to everything, different weapons, yeah, um, everything. But they both want the same thing, yeah, one want they both want river, you know. Yeah. and. They come into conflict, and it's amazing. Yeah. And to one watch. doesn't
1: even know why he wants River. Yeah, <laughs> he just thinks it's probably the right thing to do, but he has no idea why.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so it, it works so well. I think there's a lot in this movie that you could I can classify also as okay. Um, yeah,
1: some of the sets are a little like. A little flimsy, looking. A little janky. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree. Uh, some of the CG doesn't hold up too well. Occasionally, no, not um, as
1: bad as some of the stuff that I watched in the show. When I watched that episode, there oh, was some pretty bad CGI. No, it was pretty bad. Well, yeah, made for TV. Well, yeah, I know. Two thousand one yeah. CG. Come yeah. on, there uh, were some it's... pretty bad CGI rocks at one point yep. in this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. In the chase at the beginning, they're yep. just a different color than the landscape. They wouldn't geologically be there. They just stuck out so much. Uh, yeah. And I really don't like the font that Serenity has painted on the side of their ship. I really...
0: <sighs> papyrus.
1: <laughs> and it... that that lady's painting a perfect papyrus font oh, on the side man. of the ship. I, it's funny because I don't mind it so much in here. I hate it for Avatar. I, I don't mind it when it's the title in the title sequence of the show. It was only when it was painted on the side of the ship. Oh, interesting. Like, Why okay. are you doing this? <laughs>
0: Why would you do that yeah. to me?
1: And a lot of the interior design of the ship was kind of like, it was kind of like, not college student-y, but there was something about the aesthetic, like the vines painted in their kitchen. It was just kind of like, you have very weird interior decorating.
0: I guess I kind of like that because I like that different people in the ship have made it look different ways. That's true. Um,
1: I like that her shuttle, like she was so protective of her shuttle, the, yeah. the escort lady or whatever they're yeah. called. Yeah and Cause then she was in, mad because they emptied out the, like, the escape pod that yeah. she was sleeping in yep Yeah, <laughs> I like so
0: much about that um, I also liked some of the human elements mm-hmm. uh, that when Mal and Inara are talking and everybody's watching everybody's yeah. like secretly watching yeah that was very good and when they say you know Callie's missed you something fierce
1: and all of them go oh, yeah. you know, then like, they accidentally slip up and kind of like reveal to him that they were yeah. all watching him <laughs> well he even says you were watching right yeah you know <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I think for me, the big thing about this film, it just reflects the kinds of stories I want to tell yeah. and the kinds of stories I want to be told. Cool. And that is a, just an incredibly rare thing. I mean, it's weird for me to say that being, a you know, a straight white male in this world. Mm-hmm. But I don't see a lot of films that that I feel represent the stories I want to tell yeah. or the stories I want to be told. They
1: don't reflect your philosophy. No. of the way you live your life.
0: No, they don't. No, and I can understand that. And this film, a lot of it does. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a libertarian. I don't believe that we should just be able to do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot about this film. That does reflect a lot of my beliefs, and the, so it's the story, it's the storytelling, mm-hmm. the acting, the dialogue—like so much of it, yeah—is just right there with me.
1: It seemed like a like a uh, RPG game, like a tabletop <laughs> game that I would want to play, like a really fun module. That's Ooh, what I kept thinking. yeah, that would be cool. It was yeah, it was very, is structured very much like an RPG adventure. I thought I a, could see in that in a good way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So you'd never seen Serenity? No. I was completely unfamiliar with any Firefly things until last night. And then your dad showed you the last episode? He made me watch
0: the last episode. And then, before... then he slept through the movie.
1: He slept through Harvey. He watched oh, Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> my, parent, my family likes Firefly. Oh, okay. I just was in college when they watched it. So they didn't watch it with me. Yeah. I so. was
0: also in college when it came out. Yeah, and I didn't watch it in its original run. Mm.
1: So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, my brother got we for some reason we bought him Serenity on DVD when it came out, no reason, and he watched it, and then he then he got Firefly on DVD as well, and they watched it. So
0: it's really, I, I just really can't say enough nice things yeah. about this movie. It
1: does like passionate or not passionate in how I feel about it it does seem like something that I feel like should be in the world that should have been more episodes of that or like that kind of like that kind of story I think is important yeah. it's yeah the goofy kind of feel good also like explore the morals of humanity kind of thing right yeah
0: yeah Okay. Yeah. Well, Sam, thank you for sitting down and talking to me about Harvey well, and about for, Serenity. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. That was fun. I would enjoy it. We'll hopefully do this again. Yeah. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for listening. I hope you had a nice holiday weekend, if you, did ha- if you indeed did have a holiday this weekend. Uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled terrible movies next week mm-hmm. with I Don't Know What, but... Uh, oh. I thought well, that was the
1: name of the movie.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a lot that I want to do, but everybody's going their separate ways starting now because the holidays are up. Yeah. And so it's just going to be a tough to juggle everything. Mm-hmm. But
1: um, yeah, Sam, you have a podcast. I do. It's called Real Love. Me and Rachel, who I've mentioned a couple of times before, every week we pick a movie and make each other watch that movie. And then we talk about it or we go see a new movie because it's new movie season now. So that's what we've been doing mostly lately. Excellent.
0: And uh, you can find
1: it at Real Love if you search on iTunes or at Real Love Pod on Twitter.
0: Yes, that is correct. Uh, you can also find us at Real Bad Pod if you would like to follow us on Twitter and, of course, iTunes everywhere else. Or you can go to our network site, cageclub.me, where you can find all kinds of movies or all kinds of podcasts about movies and nostalgia, including the new one about just X Men, which is pretty great. So, <laughs> X is for podcast. <laughs> is what it's called uh, Where they just talk about the X-Men So uh, you can go and you can check those out there And uh, big thanks to our patrons um, Carly B, I Love It Podcast And Black Duck Studios For being supporters on Patreon If you would like to go to Patreon And chip in a little bit for us We would really appreciate it You can go to patreon.com slash Pod. And uh, don't know what we're going to do next week But I'm looking forward to it Whatever it is And until then This has been Real Bad Thank you.